What's going on, everybody? Mike O back with another episode of Hobby Talk. I appreciate you taking the time out of your day to listen to the show. Today, I'll be talking with my good buddy, Michael Fabian, about growing up in this hobby, the evolution of the hobby. We both start collecting around the same time, so it's going to be great to reminisce and talk about how this hobby has evolved and changed over the years. Joining me now is Mike. Mike, welcome to the show. Hey, Mike. Thanks for having me, brother. How are you? I'm doing good. I'm just excited to talk a little bit about baseball cards. Nothing nothing better than hanging out at night talking about baseball cards with your buddy, is there? I agree, man. Um, you know, this this hobby is just I, I it's it's my life. It's my passion. Um, you know, anytime I get to talk about it, it's it's a good day. So yes, thank you for having me. No doubt. And before we get uh, into the cards and really get started with the show want to touch on social media just briefly because that's how we were lucky enough to get to know each other social media has become a huge aspect of this hobby just people sharing their love of this hobby whether it's on youtube or instagram facebook uh, a lot of them and i know you have a few channels so why don't you go ahead and tell everyone where they can find you yeah uh, on youtube obviously if if you guys don't know me, um, well, my name is Michael Fabian. My my YouTube name is Eastern Connecticut Sports Cards. It's kind of self-explanatory. I you know I live in Eastern Connecticut, and uh, I'm a big sports cards fan. So I know it sounds lame, but uh, that's how I got my name. Same thing with Instagram. Just type it in. Um, you'll see my logo that I've kind of used over the last few years. And uh, I was doing the Facebook groups, but uh, those kind of went away a little bit. But um, you know, YouTube and Instagram. Hit me up, follow me if you want, um, or not. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the great part of social media. You can follow someone or you can not follow or, them. It's your choice, yeah. but it is a great way to just get to know people and to learn about this hobby and to kind of um, get ideas about what to collect. And I've preached that a lot on this podcast over the, uh, over the course of the life of this podcast, but that's kind of where... Uh, where I've become really connected. You know, I still have some family members and some friends outside of the social media realm that do collect, but most people I know now that collect, that's that's how I know them is through all these great things. And not only can you meet acquaintances, you can meet friends, you can meet people that you hang out with in person, talk to, and you talk to stuff beyond the hobby. So that's definitely a great thing. And if you're enjoying this podcast, uh, of course, you can go ahead and rate it post a comment, whether it's on YouTube, whether it's on SoundCloud, iTunes, it just helps. It helps kind of promote it a little bit. So if you enjoy the show, uh, please feel free to share for sure. All right, Mike. So we both grew up very similar times. I think you're about a year older than me. So we both got into collecting in the late eighties and kind of were there when this hobby, uh, kind of exploded in the early nineties and things have just continued to evolve year by year decade by decade, really, I guess the natural way to start is just to kind of talk a little bit about what you first were into in this hobby. Like, what was the first product that you got into? So, I mean, obviously, I'm a child of the 80s. I was I was born in 1981. Um, and it really kind of all started with uh, with with like 1987 tops, to be honest with you. Um, when I was like six years old, I used to go up to this like little candy store in the town that my grandparents lived in. And my grandfather used to take us in and, you know, he would let us look around and where all the candy was and all like, you know, the stuff that kids are into, um, you got baseball cards. And I don't know if it was he who just bought us the first packs. It was kind of like here, you know, this, this would be something fun to do. And, um, 
I specifically remember that um, that wood, you know, that that finish on that '87 top set, like the bat, you know, looks like it's the bat in the background and stuff. And um, I was hooked, man. I, I really don't know if I was super into it at that point, but I just I always know that I kept buying and kept buying. And then the next year, you know, a new you know the the new top set would come out and buy more. I would say like 1989 is when it really started to kind of take off for me. Um, you know, you find out other kids your age are collecting and it's like, oh, this is cool. You know, you collect cards. Sweet. So do I. Let me like, you know, look through your binder and stuff. And it all goes back to the, you know, what these things are. I mean, they're trading cards. So you would trade with people for people, you know, for players you wanted or cards you didn't have. And yeah, it just it kind of took off from there, man. Um, you know, it got it got really big for me after I would say like 1989. Um, but, but I would say 1987 tops, I think was the first pack that my grandfather ever bought me. Yeah. I remember it to this day. Yeah. 1989 tops was my first year. I've told this story a number of times over social media, but, uh, just got some packs of cards for my birthday, had a little birthday party. And I just remember opening them with my dad and we're just sitting out there on the porch, opening these 89 tops cards. I think they were probably like the cello packs. It was sort of like 50 card packs. And yep, just, yep. he was telling me about some of the players and kind of teaching me some of that. And I, you know, I followed baseball a little bit to that point. Cause I'd been going to Phillies games for a couple years already, but just that experience. And, it was, you know, just one of those things that like when I was growing up, I was one of six kids. So we didn't really, we didn't ask for a lot. Like we just like inherently <laughs> knew like there were a bunch of us and, you know, you couldn't have anything and everything you wanted. But that was like one of those times where I was just like, I was like, hey, do you think we could get more of these? Like, cause it was so much fun and it kind of exploded from that moment. Uh, my dad is very, um, he can get very hooked on things a lot, I guess, sort of like me. So he was well, in the cards with me. So we went uh, kind of bonkers there in the early 90s, but it was a lot of fun for sure. Yeah, interesting. The interesting thing with me was that um, my dad never really got into it. He always, um, I don't know. I definitely have like an addictive personality, I think, by nature. That's just how I am. Um, so I just got hooked and. My dad never really got into it with me, so it was just something that I think my brother and I kind of did with each other, you know. Um, definitely had some friends in school that collected, and, you know, we just would get together and hang out and talk about the cards and, and things like that. I remember trading for a 1990 Topps Bo Jackson. I mean, it sounds lame, but I remember that card and the purple and the blue on the color and just everything with that card was it was a card that I didn't have and this kid had had and I wanted it. And um, I don't know. It just but it is it isn't something that I shared with my father, per se, even though he was a huge baseball fan. And that's kind of where I get um, my Yankees, you know, knowledge and everything from. I mean, my dad grew up and he remembers listening on the radio to Don Larson's perfect game uh, in the World Series. And just, you know, I just I got so much stuff from him over the years. Um, but we never really shared like the hobby per se, which was kind of funny if you think about it, but I think he kind of saw it, saw it more of as a, uh, you know, uh, you know, what are you kids wasting your money on now type of thing? But, uh, you know, little did he know that it would grow into, I think the juggernaut, obviously that it's become today. Um, but he always used to tell me that he used to have a 1956 Yankees team set, which was in pretty good shape until his mom threw it out. And I was like, oh, my God, the mantle, the horror. <laughs> Why did you throw it away? 
Yeah, it was just it was painful to listen to. Um, but yeah, he just yeah. Back then, they didn't know, man. I mean, these are putting cards in their bike spokes, and you know, nobody knew that these cards would be as valuable as they as they are now. Yeah, that's one of the things that makes them antiques. So many were damaged by kids roughhousing yep. with them or tossing them, and you know, that's one of the reasons they're as rare as they you know are at this point. But uh, you know, it's just a great hobby. It's a lot of fun just sharing it with friends, family, whoever you share it with, even if it's just yourself, if you're just going through cards and it's all, it's just one of those special things, I think, because not only do you have those cards, but you have moments in time captured year by year. And I think one of the real appealing things for me is the fact that you have Topps baseball cards, Bowman cards going really back to the fifties in terms of the current structure of the cards but obviously they made cards and tobacco cards you know a century ago as well so you have just this history that goes along with the game of baseball you know specifically obviously football and hockey and basketball as well but baseball really has the richest history of the four major sports both in this hobby and on the field and I think that's one of the appealing things that you have that year by year kind of time capsule uh, of different teams, players, how careers have changed, and you know how the cards and the designs have evolved too, which is something we'll certainly get into. Yeah, I mean it. it it's fascinating to me because I think a lot of people can probably mirror this sentiment of you know you'd give me a set and I could say I remember you know where I was when I opened a pack of that or you know what card I pulled out of that and it's just there's like you said they're just like. There are just moments in time, I feel like, that you can always be like, I know exactly where I was when I when I pulled that card or, you know, I remember what I was doing that year when that set came out. It, it's just it's nostalgia, man. And, you know, I, it's just something that I it, it's it's I've been drawn to it ever since I started collecting. And obviously this hobby has changed a lot. So back when we got started with 87, 88, 89 tops, that's yep. what you had. You had a set of base cards, and you bought packs. They were obviously really big sets. I mean, seven, 800 cards. So you bought packs with a thrill of getting either, I'm sure for you, Yankees, for me, Phillies, plus the top players in the games, some of the big rookies, the superstars. That that was really what you were chasing. That has obviously changed uh, substantially, but, I mean, I... I take that's what you kind of were doing when you were busting some of those 87 tops. You were hoping to pull some Yankees or some of the, yeah. Um, basically, yeah. Yankees cards or, you know, at the, um, at the time, I think, you know, the McGuire, the bonds that's in there, but you didn't really know those, you know, yeah, you knew who they were, but they're not obviously what they are now. If obviously that, I think that makes sense. The Bo Jackson though, that's the future star card, right? Doesn't it say future star? Um, like I think Bo at the time was one of those people that you were, you know, late eighties, early nineties, you were kind of after, and obviously Griffey and Thomas um, kind of came in a little after Bo, but that's who I specifically remember. Like just opening those packs and then seeing that future star, you were like, wow, what is this? You know, it was special, man. Yeah. You had, by that point, you did have your choice of products. You had tops, you had Fleer and you had Donruss. But yep. I think things really changed forever in 1989 once Upper Deck came around. And I guess you can debate whether it was good or bad. You know, I think it's good because we have the history and we have you, – you need evolution. You need change in anything. Uh, 
Yeah, um, yeah. But, I, you know, things maybe got a little carried away, but 1989 Upper Deck, kind of when that product came out, obviously you had that Ken Griffey Jr. card, which absolute all-time classic, right up there, one of the top three most iconic cards of all time, if you ask me. No doubt, um, no doubt. But yeah. as a whole, that set really stepped up their game because tops, you know, they still had that straight-up cardboard cards, right. the backs were just cardboard the front were obviously colored uh different designs every year and i'm i'm a tops guy so i've always enjoyed them fleer and donner is pretty similar little different card stock maybe but 89 upper deck you had glossy on both sides you had a hologram on the back you had photos on both sides so that really that really kind of took the uh the hobby by storm and that was one of the big sets that kind of i think was a huge game changer at the time yeah, I mean, I, you know, I remember in, even in 1989, um, buying, you know, the packs of those was, I mean, they were not cheap. And that's because this was like, this was nothing that like anyone had ever seen at the time. You know, you, like you said, you had your tops, you had your Fleer, you had your Donruss. Um, and those were all like, you know, they were, like you said, that original cardboard, like feel to it. And then when this set upper deck came out, and you had this glossy finish. I think the hologram, just that little hologram was like, people were going crazy. Um, and obviously, Junior being the rookie and the number one card in that set. I mean, I remember going into my my, LC, my LCS at the time and seeing that card in one of those like massive screw down holders, you know. And uh, yeah, that was that was a card that I, you know, I, obviously I have, a, I have a few copies of it now. Um, but at the time, it was... I don't know. For me, it was untouchable at the time because um, either you got it out of a pack or you were paying out the, you know, you know what for it uh, at your card shop. And uh, no, that set, that set obviously is just a game changer. It kind of just uh, segued into, you know, obviously the next year. And then I think 1990 Leaf is one of the, you know, all time um, iconic sets for me, especially with that Thomas, because I would say early 90s. My guys were Griffey, Thomas, and and uh, I can't even remember if it was. I don't think Ripken was till later because of uh, you know the Iron Man chase. But yeah, it was Griffey and Thomas, man. I mean, you were looking for those guys or Kinseiko a little bit, you know. Um, but yeah, <laughs> I always go back to Ken Griffey Jr. and Frank Thomas. They were they were it for me. Those were my those were my dudes. Yeah, ninety leaf. That's a great point. That's another just absolutely iconic set, and it was yet. More competition there once that set came out. Just another set for people to chase. Beautiful looking set. Just, I really, I just like that set a lot. And I agree, Frank Thomas. I think Griffey Frank Thomas. I mean, that's one of the big things with the hobby. I think it's a big thing in the sport, of course, as well. But you need superstars. You need young superstars. And I think that's why you're seeing a little bit of a rebirth in the hobby, in my opinion. Uh, I'm not saying it's at the level it was in 89 and 90 in terms of overall popularity, but certainly card collecting has, I think, grown a little bit in the last few years. And I think part of it is, I think Mike Trout and Bryce Harper, the Frank Thomas and Ken Griffey of a new generation, because those two guys are, you know, coming up a year apart, pretty much the same way. They're really young, crazy talented, and, Mm -hmm. you know, potentially possible future Hall of Famers, and you need superstars in this sport. I think a lot of people, especially older people, get a little down on some of the young guys. You have guys like Aaron Judge and Shohei Otani, and, you know, there's other young guys, too. That's, their stuff's crazy valuable right now, and obviously 
of course, it may not eventually be worth what it is, but I think uh, the thrill of the chase, the thrill of watching these guys, uh, unique individuals take over sport, take over a hobby, I I think is ultimately a good thing for the hobby because it gets people interested. You know, 20 years from now, you're going to have a couple guys doing a podcast. They might not be doing it this way. Maybe they'll be doing it through (laughs) telepathy or something, but they'll be going back on, man, I remember, you know, being 10 years old and collecting Bryce Harper and Mike Trout. So, you know, it's I think true. Um, I think that's, those guys are, you know, important. You know, I agree with you. And the, and the thing that's, you know, and I, and I'm not going to sit here and tell anyone how to collect, but it's crazy to me. Like you see, obviously, you know, some of these guys that, uh, that haven't even made it to the show and their, and their prospect, you know, autograph refractors are going for six, $700. And, and, you know, you guys, you got guys like Bryce Harper and Mike Trout who are living it, playing it, doing it. And, you know, that's just, but, but see, that is how this hobby has changed over the years is that you get people spending crazy amounts of money on, on players who haven't done anything. And I think I've taken a step back from that. Cause that's just not something I'm interested in doing. So I guess if you want to say I'm not a prospector, I'm just not now. I don't. I don't think there's anything wrong with it if that's your thing. Um, but if you want, you know, if somebody said, "Hey, here's 500 bucks, um, either buy these guys who haven't played or go buy some Harpers and Trouts." I mean, I'm taking Harper and Trout any day because, like you said, I mean, to me, these are this is Griffey and Thomas from the late uh, late 80s, early 90s, no doubt. Yeah, there's no doubt. These guys, they're so good. You look, you just watch these guys play. And, uh, you know, that could be a whole nother thing that could be a whole nother podcast because I love vintage cards. I think vintage yep. cards are great. But I feel like there are some collectors out there that are very um, kind of stuck in the past and they just always talk about vintage. And, again, collect what you like. And vintage are awesome, and I agree with the rarity of vintage. But I think some people need to turn on a baseball game and realize that you're seeing yeah. some incredible baseball. There's a lot of really good players. And again, I'm not going to get into it here because you could have like a five-hour debate, but there's greats in the past, but there's a lot of guys that are probably as or maybe even more talented than some of the superstars that people are uh, chasing from 50, 60 years ago. So it's it's a great time at baseball, in my opinion. Oh, I agree with that. Um, I think, you know, I think just watching, like you said, watch watch baseball now and just see these guys who are just – I mean, what some of these kids are doing is unbelievable. So it's definitely a fun time to be, you know, in the hobby after seeing like kind of where this hobby has come from. Um, but it's crazy to me, like, you know, again, collect what you collect, what you want. But some of these guys have just, uh, have just hasn't done anything and their cards just go for uh, it's astronomical prices, but we can, like you said, we can go on all day about it. <laughs> oh yeah, definitely. So flashing back to the early nineties, um, you know, you had that 90 leaf set, just amazing. And it kind of had a resurgence even uh, late, yep. later in the 90s when Sammy Sosa was doing his thing with the Maguire, him and uh, Maguire with the Maris chase. But that was a beautiful set uh, for sure. And then things just kind of continued to evolve from there. It took Tops a few years to get to the glossy side of things, but eventually those products did force them to, you know, kind of rethink things and go, okay, how are we going to compete? So then you had Stadium Club. I think Stadium Club popped up in 1991, if I remember right. Yes, that's uh, right. Another nice set, you know, glossy on both sides. The uh, Jeff Bagwell. <laughs> real focus on photography. Then, of course, people love chasing the rookies. So, like you said, the Jeff Bagwell came out. 
Uh, yep. They had a cool thing too. I remember the backs of those cards where they'd feature the rookie card of the player. I always thought that Correct. was pretty cool. That yeah, I, I, that was um, you know just getting to thinking about those sets. Stadium Club was another one for me that was like, wow, this is just absolutely beautiful because it looked like you were just holding like a like a professionally done mini picture in your hand, and the way it was glossy and had the rookie you know the rookie card on the back and. I just remember that that Bagwell when he's standing on the was have his arm on the bleacher right if I'm if I'm correctly remembering yeah this. I think he's like <laughs> leaning on the bat in one arm and I have like, a, I yeah. have a couple copies of that card but I just can't think of it um but yeah that so that set to me another another game changer um but then I think you know like like you were saying just with the upper deck and the leaf and then when that stadium club came out you were kind of like wow i you can kind of see that these cards are they're they're becoming no joke at this point <laughs> you yeah, know and and another thing that you know it, it's something that i guess we're probably not going to get into but what you see here in these early 90s when things started to evolve was competition yeah these different companies yep. competing against each other and i think that is one of the unfortunate things of today's world of in terms of the hobby is that you have the different licenses with the few different companies and they yep. make what they make and they do a good job on certain things and there's probably some things they could do a better job on but the innovation in the early 90s with these companies um chasing after each other was was a huge deal and it just kind of continued to evolve and it evolved in big ways uh moving on to 92 real quick and that doesn't mean we can't go back to some of these sets but 92 was a huge year as well tops put out bowman tops and bowman put out that 92 bowman set which again it's another kind of plain set but it's absolutely beautiful just a classic classic design really good looking ended up having you know some great rookies in there as well 92 you had Fleer putting out uh, awesome sets with some big time inserts that I'm sure you'll get into and then you had 92 Fleer Ultra which stepped up the game on the glossy side so how about 1992 Mike at that point you're a few years into the hobby and you have all these products coming out and it's just got to be like wow my head's spinning again this yeah, hobby's um, just going crazy so I was 11 years old in 1992. I was in sixth grade, I think, if I can remember correctly. But, uh, you know, I remember 1992 Ultra was like, I just loved that set, man. And the inserts that you could get in there, the award winners. And I think that was Series 1. And then in Series 2, you had the Ultra All-Stars, the black, you know, design. And then I think the next year with 93, they had like this gray look to them, which I loved. And then... uh no, I mean, it was just like once you saw like these insert sets and these subsets, it was like, wow, these are really cool. And like with 92 Donruss, I remember going to like a local, and I hate to like date myself here, but like a local like five and not a five and dime, but like, you know, a local convenience store that had baseball cards. And I remember trying to like figure out a way how to, <laughs> now I don't want to say it was pack searching, but like we always used to, they'd open a new box of Donruss and we always figured out that like the Diamond King was in like the sixth or seventh pack in the row. And there was always like four in a box. So we would always be like, Oh, I think this is where the, you know, the diamond King is. So we'd always try to just buy like that pack. And sometimes it worked. I don't know if it was just all luck, but um, I just remember opening those, those packs and seeing that blue back and you're like, Oh, I got, I got one of the diamond Kings. And then of course, like, you know, Thomas was in it and it was, so that, that Donruss 92, 
um, set for me is just a game changer because I feel like that's where I really was like, wow, these inserts are like unbelievable. And uh, one of the really quick side story here, I remember same, uh, I think it was the same store. My brother, I don't know, he randomly buys a, a random a random pack and <laughs> this is a this is a true story. So I would say five years ago, I bought a case of 92 Donruss looking to pull an elite. And I didn't pull one elite series out of this whole case. I think the case was like, I don't know, 150 bucks. Cause you know, there's so much of it out there. Um, but my brother randomly just one pack pulls a Tony Gwynn elite series. And I was, we were all like, what? Cause those were, you know, those are unheard of to see a serial numbered card back then. And, uh, I'll never forget that, man. He was so pumped, and I think he still has it somewhere. <laughs> Craziness. Yeah, I was lucky uh, when I was younger. I pulled, in 92, I pulled a Kirby Puckett, which actually got graded a few years ago. I ended up nice. getting a PSA 9 on it, so that's really solid for a card Yeah, and there, that that's age. a... That's a deceptive uh, a deceptive set to grade, truthfully. And then I remember my brother got one. I think he pulled Joe Carter, which, of course, was a year before Joe Carter became a villain in the city of Philadelphia. But um, <laughs> yeah. we were really lucky. We both pulled them. But then I do know my dad actually bought a case of it like way back in the 90s and yep. saved it for years. And then like at some point, I don't even know, late 90s, something like that, maybe even the two thousand early 2000s, we opened that entire case and just like you, zero yeah. elite. And it's and, unbelievable uh, and, you know, it's probably one of the reasons, you know, there were some issues. So back then we had all these innovative sets, which was great for the hobby. We also right. had overproduction, um, which hurt the hobby. And the elites are a perfect example because I think the elites are numbered to either five or 10,000. Might depend yeah, I think on they're, year. I think, it, well, I think the 92s were 10, if I'm yeah, correct. 10,000, and wrong. there's like yeah. probably 12 or 15 different ones. Yeah, they're so hard to get. You don't even get one out of a case. How many cases yeah, I mean, of think that of, stuff do they make? It's insane. Well, think of just the odds. Like, of there's ten thousand of that one player, right? And you think of how many cases of that ninety-two Donruss that they put out with the overproduction that they did. I mean, do the math, dude. There's probably so many of those cards still just sitting in a case somewhere. You know, um, pallets upon pallets of ninety-two uh, Donruss. It's, it's yeah, it's in, it's crazy to think about. Um, but yeah, that's, uh, you know, and I don't want to, I know you said you didn't want to, we could get into like a whole, um, you know, discussion about this, but one thing I think collectors, you know, newer collectors to the hobby won't have is this competition that we experienced back in the late eighties, early nineties. And, uh, I think that forces companies to do a better job with their stuff. Um, and it, it gives the collectors an option. Like if you're like, you know what, I don't really like this set by yada yada this year, I'm going to go for this, but now it's like, look, <laughs> you have this company making this and this company making this, and that's it. There you go. You don't like it, don't don't collect it. I mean, that's really what it boils down to. Yeah, I think it's definitely unfortunate that things have evolved that way, but things have kind of gone that direction, I feel like, in a lot of different ways, and unfortunately, it's become part of this hobby. I'd love to say, or I'd love to see it change someday, but I certainly don't foresee that in the future, but I guess you never um, know. I, I hold out hope that maybe some point something will change because I think if you if you don't have hope then stuff never will get done but uh, yeah I mean like you said there's if you boil it down to what it is it's all about money and you know there's licenses and 
they want to make their money and that's just how it goes. So I, I, I guess I can appreciate it from a business standpoint, but from a collector standpoint, sometimes it's, it's a pretty hard, tough pill to swallow. No doubt. So 1992, you had that kind of just continued spike in, I don't know if you want to call it quality or if you want to call it just creativity, but you know, it brought up the Fleer Ultra, which, you know, they made Ultra in 91, but they were a more basic looking car in 92, just yep. really bright yep. and glossy and a lot of foil and p- big photos on the back, beautiful product. And I brought up, you know, Bowman, you brought up the uh, Fleer and all those gr- subsets. Um, you know, that was really when I think inserts, you know, the Don- the Diamond Kings, you had a lot of inserts coming out, which were all big and inserts start becoming a bigger and bigger deal. So it was moving beyond just base cards. And in 93, things kind of stepped up their game again. You had upper deck coming out with SP, which of course ended up producing, you know, one of another, one of the all time classics, the Derek Jeter, um, just, you know, foil like crazy, like you'd never seen before. And you had pinnacle coming out and pinnacle was, you know, a decent set, but they had, you know, you start moving towards parallels with the museum collection, just incredible looking cards. And then, yep. you know, Tops also put out uh, Tops Finest for the first time. And it was like, whoa, what is this? These cards are like chrome looking. It was really the introduction to the world of chrome looking cards. And again, with the parallels, you had the refractors, which, you know, were a lot tougher to get than current day refractors, but they were unbelievably beautiful with the shine they provided. And again, the, the evolution of the hobby just kind of continued and it, it really spiked from what we talked about with the competition of the companies. But what, uh, what are some of your memories from back in 93 with some of these products? Well, just to backtrack real quick, um, 92, well, 92 pinnacle when they, you know, they came out, they had uh, obviously they had the regular, you know, packs and they had the jumbo packs and they had those team 2000 cards in them which you would get like three, I think in a jumbo pack. And it was pretty cool. Cause you could put like this whole set together. Um, but I think the, just to go, you know, on this 92 pinnacle, those team pinnacle cards, um, I actually have one sitting right on my, my desk down here that I was going to list on eBay. But, um, besides the point, they're just like, to me, kind of like iconic for that because they were really, well, for that set, they're really tough to get. Um, I think it was, I don't know, one in 96 packs. So you're thinking maybe, two or three boxes you'd get one team pinnacle and it was double-sided with like you know whoever whoever the people were um i think the one i have is like griffey and brett butler or something like that i remember that card card was awesome i used to love that card yeah yeah. for some reason when i was a kid i was like brett butler i don't know i guess because he was just a scrappy kind of seemed like a little guy who was doing big things and you know griffey obviously being the superstar he was uh but yeah that's another just super sweet set, and if you're into the modern day grading, you get a ten on a big one of those. You're doing all right. Yeah, I you know I still kind of look around. Just another side story. I still kind of look around for some of those those you know a PSA ten of those team pinnacles. They are not cheap. They are uh, tough cards with that with the black borders on the bottom, and basically there's there's dark throughout the whole card, so you get chipping everywhere. Um, tough, tough set to grade, but to go to your point of 93, I remember going into my, my local card shop in 1993 and like seeing the price. I don't remember what the price was, but I remember the owner, I was like, 
wait, is that per pack? And he's like, yeah, you know, this is something new that Upper Deck's doing. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> um, and I think the same thing with, uh, with, with Finest. I was like, wait, that's not the box price? He's like, no, that's the pack price. I'm like, oh, my God. And there's where I kind of was like, this is, this is getting crazy, you know? Um, and little did I you mean, know, it would actually yeah. get crazier. No, and, and you know, 20 years later, like, you'd have freaking $1,500 boxes where you get like four cards. Oh, uh, and yeah, and sticker autos. So shame on the companies that do that. I'm not going to name their names, but, um, you know, if I'm buying a, I mean, look, give me a break. If I'm buying $1,500 worth of your product, you better have those people signing those cards on card autographs. Give me a break. I'm sorry. <laughs> I feel strongly about that. I think that is just utter nonsense. Um, but anyway, so back to 93, um, I just, you could see the shift and where it was going. Like things were starting to get more expensive. That's, that's really what it was. And, and as a 12, 13 year old kid, you're like, God, can I even afford to do this anymore? Yeah. And it's just crazy how prices started to spike, but man, I love that 93 finest set. Just to me, that's just one of those all time iconic products for me personally it'd be right there i've never made a list and i think it'd be tough to do but it'd absolutely be top 10 top five maybe top three uh just love the look of those cards and finest is a really weird product obviously it's been around for over 20 years now but they have some years that i think are just incredible like 93 and then like 94 they had like the green borders and i was just kind of like oh that is not nearly as nice but 93 and those 93 refractors are unbelievable they Uh, are i'd love to kind of put together maybe a phillies team set of the refractors or something because they have mostly commons in that product yeah that would even you know common refractors are still probably like 25 bucks at this point yeah they're not that product is again another another game changer um you know, just to backtrack real quick, 1992 Fleer. I'm sure a lot of people on here will remember the uh, the jumbo packs and the rookie sensations, the Frank Thomas. So it's same type deal. Like when you were opening, you you you'd see the blue and you're like, oh man, I hit the rookie sensation, and let's pray that it's Frank Thomas because there wasn't many other good people in there. I think Juan Guzman was in there. At, at, I don't know. I'm just throwing people's names out that I remember off the top of my head, but. Those inserts, man, they were just like game changers for me, and you could you could see where the hobby was going. Yeah, definitely, and you know, I think that was one of the things that changed. Like I mentioned, kind of earlier in the on the podcast, you know, you had just the straight base cards, and people obviously yep. collected rookies and they collected their favorite players and teams, made binders, sets, whatever. But then, not only did you have the products step up and the products evolve and change, and just nicer overall you know better made products i guess you could say uh more creative but the inserts started to move along you had some special cards obviously that were part of the sets over the years diamond king started that way you would have all stars or different things like that but you know the insert sets having something to chase i think that's another thing that got people kind of on board on the hobby people like chasing stuff people you know, a lot of people like to collect things because they like it, but a lot of people like to collect stuff for the thrill of the perceived value. And you see that from time to time with trends and things that go on outside of this specific hobby. Oh, yeah. Um, and I, I think inserts were one of the big things that did that. And, you know, you had the early versions really with the Donruss Elite 
uh, you had the early versions of autographed cards. Now they were extremely difficult to pull, but Very. but that's you know just something that eventually would take over the hobby. It took a while for it to take over, but just incredible stuff. Yeah, you know it's interesting too because I remember back in even ninety one ninety two score they put uh, with the I think it was the DiMaggio and. You know, you have the mantle and the triple with Yaz and mantle, and uh, I think it was Mus- uh, Stan Musel. A- a- am I correct in saying that? I don't remember if that I was, think so. was the triple, the triple auto. Um, but you know, you could. It's another example. You could probably buy five or six cases. You'd never hit one of those autographs, man. I mean, they're so hard to find. Um, but you would see you would see these things back in the day, and you'd be like, "Yeah, how am I ever gonna ever gonna have a chance to to pull one of those?" Um, and I think they even did it in 90, just a, a random thought. I think they did it in 92 ultra. Didn't Gwyn have autos in that? Something like two fifteen hundred 1500 to 2000 copies. I don't remember, but it was going on. But I think being a kid, you're like, I, there's no, how am I, that's never going to happen to me. You know, um, it's totally changed now. Yeah. It's just crazy. And unfortunately I think a lot of the steam got taken out of the hobby in 94, Due to yep. the strike, unfortunately, which as a baseball fan, I remember crushed my soul that year. Uh, the Phillies yep. were awful uh, in '94, just injury riddled and just falling apart. But yeah, it, interestingly know. enough, the Yankees were uh, were actually so right before '95, and when they got their um, hearts crushed in the playoffs against the Mariners, they were they're having a pretty good year in '94, um, and then the strike happened, and yeah, that was pretty disappointing, but. And I think there's actually a lot of cards in 94 that ended up coming out, and I think they were actually lower produced than a lot of other sets in the early 90s, but just there was nothing super special about them. So I think that was a little bump in the road for the hobby for sure. I do, um, yeah. Because you know, a lot I, I of people would, would protest. You know, they're like, oh, I'm not supporting baseball here and there. And then, you know, eventually right. people got over it a little bit because, well, you go back to some of the stuff you love, and if people love the sport, they truly enjoy it, you know, you're going you're gonna to go back to it eventually. Yeah, and, you know, just I just had a random thought. I know, I know uh, you know, it seems like a lot of times people are like, man, you know, you got a pretty extensive football collection. I'm a baseball card fan, first and foremost. That is what got me started. That is what I know. Um, I got into football a little bit in the, I would say, late nine. And actually started buying some in 94, 95, but never got into it until like the late 90s, early 2000s. And then I kind of disappeared from the hobby because well, I was in college and stuff like that. And just other things were interesting, interesting to me. Um, you could probably figure out what that was. <laughs> um, but anyway... Uh, yeah, and so first and foremost, like I, I'm a baseball card fan, and that's where I got started in this hobby. Um, and you know, it, it's just one of those things. I think you could collect, <laughs> you could like baseball, football, whatever you want to do. But I feel like everyone always has an origin. You either started doing something and expanded, or you know, I don't feel like everyone was like, oh, I've always collected all four sports. You know, I, I just don't see it. Yeah, and for me, I never really was into basketball or hockey very much. I was definitely into football a little bit. I remember my brother liked it a little more than me. Um, like in 1991, I remember him getting some action packed and stuff like that. But, uh, yep, yep. you know, I was definitely, I got into football in the early nineties. Um, 
or like 93, 94. Yeah, yeah. You know, there were a lot of cool products there and you had some different stuff play off and different things like that. And I remember opening you know, a lot of Pacific in like 94, 95, maybe. Um, yeah. I don't remember why. And wild I card, that. <laughs> wild card. Yeah, who, who made them? How do, was it? Were they called wild uh, card? I don't. Even yeah, no, it was wild card, them. but it was the black and like you know the red and yeah, I remember all of it. Yeah, yeah. I had a bunch of that <laughs> stuff too. I was never really into basketball. I remember like in the late nineties having some. Like I don't even know why. Like buying some. So I think so I, I think I had some probably like rookies that are probably worth a good amount now that i probably sold cheap as hell because i was just like i don't want this like i probably the only rookies i don't know if they're even valuable (laughs) i have no clue the only time i was into it interestingly enough was 1992 because it was shaquille o'neal's 92 93 shaquille o'neal's rookie year and he was just it was a shack craze at the time i think i remember didn't he have a card in like a mcdonald's set or something i think i might have had that uh i'm pretty sure i believe i believe so i know for me again back to ultra his rookie in there, and then he had a, an insert which was like really tough to pull. It was like called the re, uh, the rejector, and I mean that card even at the time I think was going for like a hundred bucks. People were just like you know obsessed with Shaquille O'Neal, and so I did a little bit of that, but then it never like I was never into like constantly buying basketball. It was just I want to say it was kind of like a you know a fad at the time for me. Yeah, um, I think ba- the same I always thing. went back like- to baseball. Late nineties, I think I had some hockey, and then eventually it's like, why, why am I buying this stuff? Like, I just don't, I don't care enough, you know. That's cool right. if other people do, but I'm yeah, just, yeah. I'm kind of baseball, football, and I've trended more towards baseball in recent years due to um, me not really being thrilled with the overall products provided by the football provider. But again, right. I know there's a lot of people who are really into football, and it, I'll buy some, of course, and I like it. But sure. that's definitely something that I've moved towards singles uh, more so uh, if there's stuff I like. But, you know, just... yeah, um, I, like lately I've been kind of it's weird. I, I, I feel myself going away from the you know, I know you and I were having a conversation about this earlier um, talking about, you know, I, I one ones and things like that. Like they're just I don't know. They're not they're not doing it for me anymore. Like I'm almost reverting back to. Well, when I was collecting, when I was a kid, like the old inserts, the rookie cards, and even just, but even like talking about like newer sets, like 2018 tops, like I'm going to buy some guys rookies from the Yankees, you know, but just their base rookie cards. And I think that's just because, you know, you're, again, you're seeing people can argue this. Maybe it's, you know, it's a point for another day, but you're seeing a trend again where the overproduction is happening. Now it's happening on parallels. Now it's happening on autographs. Now it's happening on one-on-one. You know, it's like there's only so many one-on-ones you can have. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think it's been overtaken. Um, just to kick it back real quick. So you yeah. had once things started to recover from the uh, from the strike in 96, 97, 98, you just had more and more and more products come out. Yeah, sorry, I didn't mean to. I didn't mean to cut your time. I like the no, timeline because no. I'm a, I'm a dates guy. I always remember uh, the, you know specific dates or days of the week when I don't know. My wife thinks I'm crazy, but anyway. <laughs> no, I was going to speed through it, but my point was going to be there was awesome stuff that came out. But once you yeah. got to 97, yeah. 98, 99, you had Top's Finest. Then you had 
you know, still Stadium Club. Then they made Stadium Club like Chrome for a while. You had Topps Chrome come out. Yeah, you had a lot of people Bowman's forget Best. about Stadium Club Chrome, man. That's a that's a great looking product. Yeah, dude. I think they only made it for like two years, but you had I did. Yeah, it wasn't long. It wasn't long. You had Bowman's Best come out, and along with Bowman, and you know, it just kind of continued from there. And some of these products have stuck around on the baseball side of things, but you really had just a crazy amount of products, and that was going for you know. I just rattled off some of the tops ones, but you still right. had the multiple companies going on. I mean, Fleer was making stuff like Fleer Legacy or something, or Flare Showcase. Like Flare, yeah, yep, Flare Showcase, yep. Just all yep. kinds of crazy stuff, and they just kept making stuff. And then eventually, of course, was I guess the late two thousands when you had um, things change. It might have been even a little later than that, actually. I guess uh, it was probably twenty. I don't even know what year was it. Twenty twelve, twenty eleven. Um, when the companies well, I, kind of broke off. Yeah, I, I can't remember the exact time frame. I just know, like, in terms of me, and and I don't want to say like I never. From like ninety five to ninety nine, I was still pretty involved in the hobby. That's you know, I graduated high school in ninety nine, so I went to school to college that fall. So I kind of lost interest in the hobby a little bit then. Um, and so from 99 till I want to say about 2004, I didn't buy like anything. And then my buddy and I, this is a random story. Sorry to go off on this tangent, Mike, but uh random story, my buddy. And it was like, Hey, do you want to go to like this baseball card store in like this town that we were lived near? And I'm like, yeah, whatever. And he's like, all right, let's do it. So we go, we each, we each spent like, like, a, I don't know, a ton of money on stuff. And we we're opening the packs and I'm like, I, I distinctly remember the card and I, I don't know what happened to it. I don't know if I sold it after that or um, it was in 2004. I opened some Fleer product. I can't even remember what it was, but it was a, it was a quad Jersey of, you know, like four little swatches of Ripken, Molitor, Yount. And I think it was, it might've been Brett, you know, the 3000 hit guys. And I just remember seeing it and being like, wow, what in the hell are they doing with, you know, cards nowadays? This is insane. And now, like, to someone, that card would be like, oh, yeah, that's worth, like, five bucks. <laughs> you know what I mean? Quad relic. But so that's just how, like, in over the course of however many years, it's just it's gone and changed so much. Even in 2004, which, I mean, it seems like a long time ago now, but. I mean, then I was like, God, what are they doing? You know, there's autos and all this stuff. It was it was wild to be away from it for at that time, I think five years and then opening product. You're like, I don't even know what's going on anymore. This is nuts. <laughs> yeah, things really just took off. Uh, you know, the years have come and gone. And obviously now we have tops who makes baseball, I guess, upper decks making hockey. Panini yep. has their basketball and their, they have a stranglehold yep. on football, unfortunately, yes. but you know, things have just gone insane and, it's really weird because I sometimes sit there and I want think to myself, like, what is the future of, like, these current year cards? Because I look back at the trend that's been going on where a lot of people who are in their mid-30s, maybe through their mid-40s that are kind of taking a step back and going back to, you know, when they used to collect in the 90s and 90s yeah. inserts and parallels and all that stuff has kind of taken off to a degree or found a new life. At least that's kind of my 
vision of it. You know, people are getting really into it, and I look sometimes, and, you know, you can get some stuff pretty cheap, but a lot of stuff goes for pretty good money. Uh, a lot of it's really hard to find, the old uh, Hot Gloves cards for, uh, yep. what were they, Flare, yep. I think. Yeah, absolutely, Flare. A bunch of cool yep. inserts and parallels, and I'm actually, I've been... I haven't looked the last few weeks, but for a while there, I was kind of searching eBay a lot for the 1997 finest embossed refractors because those things are gorgeous looking. Yeah, they're beautiful cards. Them certain players, I'm looking at them like, oh, that's worth a lot more than it was back then. I see something like six, seven hundred bucks. It's insane. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think think what's great about the hobby, like I I think Nate um, Tops 85401 touched on it in your podcast about uh, you know, like how, you know, when you were first collecting, you might not have been able to afford this stuff, but now you can, as you get older, if that makes sense. So I see a lot of people just reverting back to what they, what they used to collect. But that's kind of my point on the current year stuff. So things are overproduced. Like they make, there's too many one of ones. So a one of yes. one is not as special as it used to be. And there's too many relic cards and even too many autographs. And I'm an autograph collector. I love collecting autographs of either players yeah. I like or teams or, you know, whatever. Um, and, you know, product to product, some are different and some you like more than others. But I guess my kind of thought process is what will these things be like 20 years from now? Yeah, it's like, it's, a, it's there's, an there's interesting stuff, question. Yeah. There's certain serial numbered things, and I'm not as obsessed. I think they over serial number things. This is too much stuff. Like, I don't think every card needs to be serial numbered. And there's, like you said, it's just. I think they make far less cards now, overall of each card than they did in the early '90s. But there's so many versions of these cards; it's insane, and it can be hard to right. keep up with. But Obviously, you have guys that aren't going to work out. There's rookies that are hot now that people forget about in 20 years. But the guys that are really good, like, I, I just wonder what that future holds when, you know, the people who are 15 now or 35 and maybe they have some more money to spend and they go back, you know. Yeah. I just think it's, it's interesting to think, you know, where this stuff will be price-wise because – I think a lot of it's going to dry up. You see the stuff in the 90s that's dry. Yeah. Up. You even see stuff in the 2000s, and I try and search for it. I actually try and search constantly eBay for 2013 Finest. They did the 1993 yeah, Finest insert set. Yep. There's not a lot of them. Like No. And I no, search them I, like every two weeks, and there's just not a lot. So it's like they're all stuck in collections. So right. I, I don't know. It's just kind of a random thought from, it, from me, and I well, don't, don't and have then, an answer for it. You you take the other side of it too, where let's say you've got a rookie class who is just you know it's it's dominant. When the product comes out, maybe it's not it's not as hot, right? And then you find out the guy's a stud. I don't know whoever you want to you know use a name whoever, and then then all the wax jumps up, so it prices everyone out from breaking it because you're not guaranteed to get that person. So either the cards are all sitting, as you said, in someone's collection or they're sitting in $350 boxes of cards, which two years ago were 50 bucks, i.e. Jimmy Garoppolo with the future watch. Um, not saying he, you know, talking about football, segueing into football a little bit here, but that's a perfect example. 2014 SP authentic football. I broke a couple of those boxes at the national in 2015 for 40 bucks. That Those are $300 boxes now because of, this guy who has played in five, you know, five NFL football games, but 
Uh, excuse I guess my me, whole... Mike. I believe he's played in eight games. Oh, <laughs> excuse me. Yeah, is it eight? I don't remember, dude. I, I'm, the season was kind of a blur for me because the Giants were so bad. Anyway, <laughs> no, but yeah, I agree. Um, people go crazy with that stuff. But people, I guess people like to try and get out ahead of the big rookie because I think historically, at least in modern times, the really, yeah. really expensive rookie cards are the guys that people didn't expect that much out of. Obviously, you have Tom yeah. Brady, who's, I guess, probably the prime example. Here's a guy who. Uh, you know, was a late draft pick, and therefore he wasn't in a lot of products. Like Tops didn't even make right. a card of him. He he had right. Bowman, so he has a number of rookies, but like they just weren't over overproduced. They weren't in as many products, and honestly, he was probably thrown in common boxes, and that's why you see so many that are not gradable or not. High yeah, the graded. condition the condition so, is really really obviously bad on a lot Brady's a uh, you know a. Uh, kind of unique example of that he, he people at the time didn't think he was going to go on to be one of the greatest ever so that's why right. you see the insane prices on him and even mike trout you know he's in yep. a 2011 tops update set he's not in many other products that year he's in a few i guess correct but the tops yeah. update is not necessarily an overproduced set because the base tops, you end up having opening day versions, and you have retail team sets and retail hobby set. All that update doesn't get that treatment. And he, you know, next thing you know, he's right there historically with the greats of the game. And there are a lot of people who didn't really take care of those cards. And, you know, it's a little easier to find a PSA 10 of his card than, you know, yeah. the Brady rookies. But I know people, a friend of mine and yours, I'll give him a little shout out there, Wesker Griff on YouTube. But oh, he Ed, had the trout. He had the trout rookie and sold it or something crazy like he, that. So right? he had multiple <laughs> trouts, right? Oh, apparently, God. he. I think he said he. He might have given a few away, but he also sent a few out. TTM and never got them back. He sent them out for potential autographs, never got them back. Just lost them. Uh, and now it's you know yeah, that's heartbreaking. A couple hundred dollar <laughs> card, like. But at the time, you were like, "Ah, oh, this guy could be a good player." You didn't think. He's going to be, you know, potentially on his way to the Hall of Fame and among yeah. the best players in baseball. Yeah, I mean, unfortunately, that's just kind of the, uh, you know, the, you just don't know. You, you know, you don't know what's going to happen. And so when you're opening, I mean, I, I guess one of the things you could do is if you open a lot of waxes, you know, put them away, put them aside, sleeve them up, put them in a binder. You know, if you open multiple boxes and you got multiples of the same player, hold on to them, you know, because you just never know. Um, just to, you know, to use a Yankee as an example, uh, two, three years ago, Judge, I mean, I was buying Judge rookies and autos for like 12 bucks. They were worth nothing. And then he comes up last year and it just exploded, you know, because he was up the year before and he was awful. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, I'm pretty sure I like just... walked by him and Trent a few times and was like, eh, I don't want, I don't know who this guy is. I don't need his autograph. <laughs> I, you know, and I'm not saying that, and I, I had had a lot of him because I was a Yankee fan. It was just, that's just, I, I like to collect Yankee prospects and I, I, I lucked out on a lot of those. Um, but you know, you just don't know. I mean, the stuff was going for, like I said, 12 to 15 bucks. And, uh, you know, now, I mean, uh, those cards, I think I sold a couple of them for, because in my opinion, I'll keep a couple, I'll sell a couple, right? I mean, they were going for two hundred and fifty to three hundred dollars. You know, you can't, you can't justify 
I guess, holding on to all of them when there's such a demand for them at the time you have, to, you know, because you have to obviously support your hobby. So yeah, there's no <laughs> you doubt have to about make, that. Like that's yeah. a lesson I've learned over the years. Like you can't keep everything. No, I mean, no. I think if money was no option, we would just buy, buy, buy and never. Yeah, get rid of anything. I mean, but you have to be smart with stuff. So, you know, I'll do the same thing. It's like. You know, you just can't keep them all. Can't keep everything. But I mean, I think you know, it's 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 interesting. Like just to go back to the Jimmy Garoppolo, because of the future watch, the Brady obviously has made well, Garoppolo's future watch in Spa fourteen, kind of like that future watch is iconic, right? Like the Derek Carr as well. Um, my question would be to play devil's advocate: is what happens if Garoppolo turns out to be nothing? People have been, you know, people bought six seven hundred dollar cards from off of people the people that are going to make out at the end of the day are the people who sold those cards i'm just saying um you know unless we all know for sure he's the second coming of tom brady which i don't know maybe um you know the people who are going to lose are the people who bought those cards in my opinion yeah you definitely need a few of these guys who take the hobby by storm you need them to hit you need them to be good players and you don't want people to lose interest i i do think that's an important thing for sure, but it, it's Correct. fun to see how things evolve and people definitely just always get hyped up. People love the hype. The hype is really one of the big things. And, you know, you're seeing it now this year with Otani. I mean, people are going oh, yeah. nuts for his stuff. And there's, I think this rookie class has a chance to be really good. I think last year's rookie class was really good. I think Judge obviously yes. had a spectacular season, but I think he kind of a lot of people started to even lose sight of what some of these other guys do. Cause I mean, obviously him being a Yankee is one of the key factors for the value of his cards. Cause yeah, other so people like the Yankees or dislike them. They're, <laughs> yeah. they're highly collectible, but I mean, Cody Bellinger had just that incredible season last year and even guys like Alex Bregman, who was playing great in the world series and Andrew Benatendi and you know, there's others as well. And I, I think this year in baseball is, kind of similar to a degree you have a lot of good young guys not all of them have necessarily gotten off to good starts but i mean i don't know i think i think it'll be interesting to see how things evolve with some of these guys like anduhar and yep Raphael devers who i don't know what his numbers are but it seems like his hobby stuff is kind of tailed off a little bit just in general but you know the uh, devers, stuff is crazy well yeah obviously you know right now we got otani's kind of you know taking control of the 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 hype right now and with with good reason i mean if you've watched i mean let's let's be honest here you know we collect because we're we're sports fans right i mean i would hope um i mean what the guy's done over the the first you know few weeks of the season has been nothing but short of incredible in my opinion um let's just see how the season pans out though so it's a long year um i don't know what's going to happen you know, obviously, if he does phenomenal, his stuff is just going to continue to go up. But that gives other people an opportunity, like you were talking about, guys like Raphael Devers, Anduhar. That's the time to pick up their stuff because people are going berserk over Otani right now. Yeah, and when people go crazy over one guy, there's not necessarily enough money to go around uh, to everyone else. So I'm looking forward to some products later this year. I don't know if they'll be affordable to break because of the Otani factor. But right, I right. still think, you know, if uh, I don't know what's going to happen with Ronald Acuna, if he's going to get called up or not. But if he gets called up and he's in products later this year and Scott Kingery for the Phillies, who's off to a great start, his hobby stuff um, has gone berserk since he got called up. It's 
Right. It's crazy. I don't think... Obviously, there's people buying his stuff because, like I said, his stuff has gone up. But a lot of the general baseball fans probably haven't even seen him play. They don't know much about him. But I think that'll change as the year goes on. So you sure. start adding those guys who haven't been in the early year products. Um, it'll be, I think it'll be a lot of fun. And I, I do think that the, uh, I think the hype is overall good for the hobby because it brings attention to the hobby. Um, well, it, you know. it doesn't, you know, it, and again, let me, let me clarify what I mean by, you know, it's just, it's not for me anymore. Um, yeah, there's a couple guys who I'm like, oh, you know, here's someone who I think is going to get over overlooked time to buy, you know, his stuff's super cheap buy him. But overall, I would say I don't get, I just don't get involved with the hype, but to your point, I think it's, I think it's fantastic for the hobby because it, because it brings, it brings attention and it gets people excited. Like, you know, and that's what and that's what you want. I mean, I think the bottom line is that you want the kids excited. You want the younger generation to be excited about collecting and, you know, seeing these players and seeing them in cards and getting their rookie card or getting their auto if they're fortunate enough to, to pull an Otani. <laughs> um, but, you know, like I, I think it overall, it's a good thing. It's just not for me at this point anymore. Yeah, and things have evolved, and I, I think things always have a way of changing and going backwards a little bit, too. You see it, I, I think a lot of Top's most popular products are the retro-looking sets. Gypsy yeah. Queen and uh, Top's Heritage is always a really popular set, and I think it's because there's that core part of the hobby out there, all these collectors that love that basic stuff and you know you get a little flavor with it too you get chance for autographs and relics and all that stuff but that's not the point of those sets for sure right right and i do think it's a little bit unfortunate how overproduced the numbered stuff and the relics and jersey swatches and all that stuff is because it you get to a point where you're opening boxes like oh, i gotta a relic of this guy it's like you know well, yeah it shows well, that think... they've made too much but you know, I think something that I've, yeah, no. And I mean, the hobby is ever evolving, but I think one of the things that I've been doing, and this is again, just a personal thing um, with all my stuff, I've been looking at if, you know, is the card or the relic in the card game used or not? Um, if it's not game used, I, I don't really feel the need to keep it like the player worn stuff or, you know, not from any specific game event or season. It's like, eh, it's just, it's not, it's not finding a place in my collection anymore. Um, so I've been kind of trying to move a little bit of that stuff out and keep the stuff that says, yes, this was worn by yada, yada in an actual NFL or MLB game. Like that's cool, you know? Um, but to each their own. So again, I, I think that's just the, the beauty of the hobby. You have a choice. <laughs> yeah. There's no doubt. Like you collect what you want to collect for me personally. I, have been going that route of going back and checking out old school stuff, stuff from when I was, you know, a teenager, the stuff from the early 90s and mid 90s. And, uh, you know, I like collecting that stuff and going back and finding, oh, wow, I didn't even realize they made this player or something like that. But, sure. you know, in terms of current stuff, I'm into the autographs. I'll collect the autographs. I'll pick up autographs of some of my favorites and just different players I like. I don't need a specific. I don't need to put guys into like, all right, this guy is a Hall of Famer, therefore I'll collect them. You know, you just collect them <laughs> like that. That's the way yeah, I go yeah. about it. Um, yep. But I'm also, I love base cards. Base cards Me are, too. Me are too, awesome. Man. Like, I don't want, you know, a stack of 5,000 count boxes of them, of just things yeah, that yeah. have nothing to do with it. But there's something fun about cracking a few boxes, or even if they're just blasters and just kind of what i've been doing is for the year i'll just kind of make up a binder i'll combine maybe like two years 
even if it's just a nine page yeah. binder with from one product, maybe a couple from, you know, some of the products with more cards. And then you can go through and go back and make, man, I remember that guy and that guy and that guy. And you can look at the different designs and how they've evolved and stuff like that. So I, I think that's all fun. I, the hobby, like we've been discussing, has changed a lot. You take someone, if you brought someone back that was around in 1960, you took, you went back with a time machine and shot them forward to 2018. They'd be like, what in the heck? They'd be like, their head would explode. Oh, of course. That's just the way it is. Yeah. And I think, you know, obviously in in anything in life, if you're not receptive to change, I think, I don't want to say you get left out in the wind, but you kind of do. You know, like you said, a lot of people complain and they say, oh, everything's just an auto or a, you know, a relic or a numbered card now. Well, no, it's not. I mean, they got base rookies. They got base cards. You can collect all this stuff if you want to. Um, something I've been doing and getting into is like, you know, you get a ton of rookie cards and you're like, oh man, this is, this is of a good player. Like, I'm going to try to see if I can get some of these graded and keep some or move some to, you know, to support your hobby. And I don't know, like grading more simple cards for me has been something I, I think that I've started to enjoy a little bit more than just, you know, I got this auto. I got to, I got to get it in to get my, my fake gem mint nine five, you know, from whatever that company (laughs) now, but you know what I mean? Um, like I'll get into that on another day maybe, but, uh, no, but like, I I think that it, it all boils down to, you can collect what you want, but don't not open a 2018 product because you think, Oh, it's just all autos and garbage. Well, it's not though. There's rookies, there's base. You can put a set together. If you want, you can put an insert set together if you want. I don't know. There's just options. And I think, I think people aren't always receptive to, to change and, and things of that nature. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, I, I do agree that, you know, things have changed and I think it, it's become a little much with the number of parallels and all that. But again, I, I do, I do agree with you. That's there. just the way it, it is. So, you know, we'll see how things evolve, but we do still have all those other sets. So it's just, it's kind of fun to look back. I'm sure, you know, again, five, ten years, you'll be looking at different stuff and be like, man, I wish it was back like it was in 2018 when I, I had a uh, hundred different parallels instead of a thousand. Like, you never <laughs> yeah. know. But That's true. That's true, man. It's always fun to collect. It's always fun to reminisce, to go back. All those classic sets. Now I'm sitting there thinking, man, I should go look at 92 uh, Fleer and see if I can buy a jumbo box. And Dude, go find him for the... Yeah, go... <laughs> I'm Don't actually looking at the that, checklist. Man. There's a few decent guys in there. Yeah, uh, was Scott was Scott Leis in that set? Uh, that set, I just remember him from that set. Yeah, he's number twins, twenty. Right? He's card twenty. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> yep, for the twins. That's right. Oh but my you have God. a Von Rodriguez, so there's all a fan. Oh yeah, right Pud- there. I forgot. I forgot Pudge was in. Yeah, him man. and Let's Jeff see. Bagwell. Him, Jeff Bagwell, and Frank Thomas are the best. And outside yeah. of that, you have Jeff Fasero, Todd Van Poppel. Yeah, Van Pop, Brian oh McRae, Chuck Knobloch. I mean, Knobloch had an okay career. <laughs> Chuck Knobloch, oh God. West Chamberlain. The humanity, my, my the humanity of the, the, yeah, the humanity of the Chuck Knob, Chuck Knobloch with the Yankees. I mean, good Lord, he he just forgot how to throw. It was unbelievable. <laughs> you gonna go try and pull a Cheeto Martinez Baltimore Orioles card out of that set? Sure, why not, you know? But, uh, no, you know what's funny is I totally forgot about the Bagwell and the Pudge because I think that Thomas just overshadows it so much because, you know, you had Bagwell in, jeez, ah, what was it? Was it 90, was 91, 91, the rookies in the stadium club? And 
I don't know. I feel like not by by 1992, technically, I mean, Thomas had had what three years of cards, 90, 91, 92. Yeah. So I don't know. I just feel like he just still he was the guy though in like 92. You were looking at him and you're going, damn. So big Frank, yeah, he kind of dominated that uh that set for me. But yeah, there's some there's some good players in that. Yeah, you gotta go Google later the 1992 rookie sensations Phil Plantier. I've never seen a guy <laughs> oh, yeah. crouch down so much. On oh, the, the card. Yeah, he's the former Boston Red Sox. The, he's and, like kneeling on the ground almost. It seems. Yeah, he played for the Padres too, I believe, at one point. But yeah, he had a crazy like like he yeah his knees were almost on the dirt. It was insane. <laughs> yeah, it's so weird. It looks like he's stooping in the woods on this card. It's so weird. <laughs> oh my god. Well, I mean, it's just crazy looking back, and man, there's so oh, many know. classic sets. It's it's crazy. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. Um, it's just a lot of fun. It is, man. It is. But yeah, I mean, it's just great looking back. The hobby is just filled with classic cards, especially, you know, the older you get, the more classics there are in your mind. And, you know, one of the great things, too, the hobby's evolved in certain ways for the better, for sure. In certain ways, maybe not in the way that you most like or are greatly happy about. But the thing is, you can always go back and there's plenty of old wax from the nineties that you can go out and buy and you can always revisit your own collection. And it's something that I always have to kind of remind myself, like you don't have to pick up something new. You can go through your own stuff and almost you start forgetting about things. So it's a, it's a lot of fun, Mike, this hobby has been great. And I just want to see if you have any final thoughts, any other, uh, any other classics you want to touch on real quick? Um, in terms of like the classic set, you know, this is this is just something for me. 1995 uh, Leaf Baseball, because of the statistical standouts inserts, this is where you kind of first saw the, oh, these are only in hobby packs. And, you know, you, you got your first taste of like, I don't know, I, you'd have to go back and really do the research to find out. But I remember seeing that and asking my guy at the at the card shop, like what it meant. And he just would say, well, there's some that you can get in like a department store and some that only I get. And uh, I remember chasing that Frank Thomas, which was numbered to 5,000. And, uh, you know, just another really, really beautiful looking card. Um, I must have opened two or three boxes trying to find it. And I never did, but I eventually bought it on eBay. (laughs) Gotta love it. Hey, you eventually got it, right? That's all that matters. Yeah, absolutely. It'd be awesome if they went and produced a set now and serial numbered stuff to 5,000. I'd love to. I wish they some set would do it just to troll collectors just to see yeah. the outrage <laughs> the people would be just be like what is this um no but thousand yeah <laughs> i would say you know just a couple i would say a couple final thoughts just overall is that i think the hobby is stronger than ever and it, it you know if i had to change one thing it would definitely be to get away get away from the uh the exclusivity of the licenses but you know, obviously one man can't change that. Uh, you need people to act on it. That would be my one complaint. You know, I, I know I don't want to sound like a, you know, I'm crying about it, but uh, that would be the one thing if I could change it, I would. But other than that, dude, it's it's still the best. I have just as much fun as I do now as I did when I was like six years old. So, Yeah, except now you can actually look back at those memories too. So it's kind of, it's kind of weird. It's like you can look back yep. and be like, wow. And then I do that sometimes. I just sit there and I look at a product. I'm like, oh, wow, that's 20 years ago. Wow. How did that, how is that 20 years? And then you all of a sudden you realize, like, oh, that means I'm 20 years older. Holy crap. I know. It's crazy, man. It is. But uh, yeah, I, again, I think the hobby is stronger than ever. Um, there's definitely 
things that you can do. Um, you know, just different aspects of the hobby. There's so much stuff, but, uh, you know, I would, I would definitely, one thing I would say to anyone who might listen to this, like on your YouTube channel, um, if you're, if you're looking to get involved with social media, give YouTube a shot guys, you know, people are here to, to talk about the hobby, um, share their collections. And if you're hesitant about doing the video, I would just try to say, get out there and do it and join a great group of people, um, who really just, you know, love to talk about this hobby and really look out for each other too. I mean, it's, it's amazing. So those are kind of some final thoughts, Mike. Yeah. I think there's just so much you can learn on social media and I've just kind of gotten into the Instagram thing. I'm not totally into it. Like I like following it and going through it and it's pretty cool, but I I still love the interaction on YouTube personally. I just feel like you get to know people and there's a lot to listen to. I mean, visuals of cards are cool and I'll sit there and see a card and it'll flash back and be like, you know what? I got to look that up. I want to try and collect that, but you, there's just so much to learn. Um, not only about cards that are coming out, but you know, the history of cards or stuff to look out, um, you know, possibilities that you might not even be involved in different cards that you're not even, aren't even on your radar. So, you know, it's just good to, I think, be involved with different collectors, but you know, just one final thought too, is uh, I think the hobby is also strong in the retail market. You see it a lot, at least for me, when I yeah for look, sure look at targets and Walmarts, I mean, they, they move a lot of stuff, especially certain sets that are popular. So it's nice that even though we have less LCS local card shops than we did back, you know, 20 some years ago, there's obviously a vast number of online retailers that you can buy from. And, uh, the, you know, big box retailers are selling stuff as well. So there's, there's a lot of options if you're looking to pick up new stuff and, Obviously, you have eBay and so many other websites to buy singles, so it's it's a lot of fun. But Mike, I really appreciate you joining me. It was uh, it was a fun talk. It was it's always fun catching up with you. Fun talking about the hobby. Fun reminiscing about some sets um, that kind of changed the hobby as we uh, kind of grew up with this hobby. Yeah, brother, I really appreciate you having me on. I had a I had a good time. It's uh, I like I said, I could go on for hours and hours and hours, but we only have a short period of time here. So uh, again, thanks for having me on, man. We'll certainly have to have you again at some point. We'll have to have you back on the podcast for sure. I'm I'm always down for that. All right, guys, thank you so much for listening to Hobby Talk with Mikeo. Thank my guest, Michael Fabian, for joining me. Uh, Go ahead and subscribe on iTunes. You can subscribe to the podcast on SoundCloud or YouTube. Check them out. And if you enjoyed the episode, share it with your friends. Definitely uh, looking to build the audience for sure. Have yourselves a great one. 